0: Order questions to the Prime Minister. Melanie On. Yeah. Question number one,
1: Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker. Damien Green. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Mr. Speaker, I've been asked to reply on behalf of my right honourable friend, the Prime Minister, who's abroad in the Middle East, furthering our interests in a region that's fundamental to our national security and prosperity. Yeah. Mr. Speaker, I'm sure the whole House will wish to join me in offering our warmest congratulations to His Royal Highness Prince Harry and Meghan Markle and in wishing them every happiness in the future. Today also marks the 100th anniversary of the creation of the RAF. The whole House will want to express our thanks for a century of service to this country. Yeah.
0: the uh, First Secretary's uh, congratulations to Prince Harry on his engagement. Uh, Thanks to the outstanding efforts by the Labour Council in North East Lincolnshire, the government has included the Greater Grimsby Project in its industrial strategy document. But we need more than a byline in a glossy magazine to make its potential a reality. Will the First Secretary say when we can expect his government to put its money where its mouth is so that we can get going?
2: I think, I think beneath this I can welcome the fact that the Honourable Lady is welcoming the industrial strategy, yeah. uh, as she should do. Uh, it will be good for Grimsby. It will be good for uh, many communities around this country, particularly those h- who may feel that in the past uh, they have been uh, left behind. Uh, and I'm happy to assure her that the industrial strategy uh, will come uh, with money attached, as she will have heard uh, in my right honourable friend the Chancellor's Budget. Mr
0: Simon Clark. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Making a success of the South Tees Merrill Development Corporation is vital for Teesside, and I was delighted to welcome the Prime Minister to my constituency this summer. Will he join me in recognising the scale of the opportunity the MDC represents? agree it offers a chance to redefine Teesside to the world, and commit that the new money awarded in the Budget is only the start of the process of delivering on its huge potential to change. Yeah. Yeah.
2: The
1: secretary. I,
2: I can see my hon. friend is getting the hang of questions already. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, and I am happy to uh, assure him that we are uh, committed to working with him, uh, and indeed the Tees Valley Mayor, uh, Ben Houchen, who is doing so much to help develop the area. We want to support him and the South Tees Development Corporation with the work they're doing on the long term regeneration of the South Tees area as he says the chancellor announced 123 million pounds of new funding uh, in the budget because we recognize the significant economic opportunities in that area
1: emily thornbury
3: thank you very much mr speaker um, let me first join the Secretary of State in congratulating the RAF on its anniversary and congratulating Prince Harry and Meghan Markle on their engagement. That's one Anglo-American couple, or we on this side, will be delighted to see holding hands. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that Prince Harry... I'm sure that Prince Harry, the patron of Rugby Football League, uh, will be joining all of us in supporting the England team in the World Cup final on Saturday. And I, for one, will of course be waving my St George's flag. (laughs) On On a much sadder note... I'm sure the whole House will join me in sending our thoughts to all those killed and injured in Friday's horrific attack on the mosque in North Sinai. It is a bitter reminder that the vast majority of the victims of jihadi terror are Muslims. Uh, before I get on with my questions, Mr Speaker, can I ask the First Secretary a simple point of principle? Is he happy to be held to the same standards in government that he required of others whilst he was in opposition? Uh,
2: the Secretary. Uh, yes, I am. I think. Uh All uh, ministers uh, should uh, respect and obey the ministerial code, uh, and I absolutely think that uh, that's a very important part uh, of confidence in public life. Can I also uh, echo her thoughts about the uh, terrible events in Sinai uh, and also uh, say that she may find it difficult to uh, wave the St George's flag, but I will be doing so for the English rugby league team. Uh, As a a Welsh rugby fan, I may find it even more difficult than her, but I will be doing so as well.
3: Emily Thornberry. Mr Speaker, the First Secretary looked rather uh, uh, perturbed at my line of questioning, Uh, but he doesn't need to worry. I really am not going there. Um, I I merely wondered if he remembered the question he asked at Prime Minister's Questions almost 17 years ago, when John Prescott uh, stood in for Tony Blair, and whether he could answer the same question today. So what's the question? The question was this. What percentage of new nurses recruited in the past 12 months are now working (laughs) full-time? I can't remember.
2: I can't remember asking the question then, and I would love to know what the, uh, what the then Deputy Prime Minister answered then. What I am happy to uh, assure the Right Honourable Lady uh, is that we have more nurses, more midwives more doctors working, working in the health service now The Health Service is performing more operations now, certainly than it was uh, 17 years ago, and uh, in particular, uh, in the Budget last week, my right hon. Friend the Chancellor was able to announce more than £6 billion extra on health spending, uh, spending, which will make the uh, Health Service even stronger in the future than it is now.
3: I thank him for that response, but since he failed to answer my original question, I'll do it for him. According to the government's latest figures, more than 40% of newly recruited nurses are leaving full-time employment within their first year. And it is not just the new recruits that are quitting. The overall number of NHS nurses and health visitors is down by 1,500 this year. And the numbers are now lower than when this government came into office. Why does the First Secretary think that so many nurses are leaving?
2: There are, are, as I say, more uh, operations being done, more nurses, more doctors, more midwives. The health service is expanding. We have got 14,900 more doctors, 1,500 more medical school places each year. And we've got 10,000 more nurses on our wards. And we've announced an increase of more than 5,000 extra nurse training places every year. We are, of course, we have said, uh, in addition, the uh, Chancellor said uh, in his budget that uh, we would uh, commit to make sure that the uh, nurses' pay increase, the the, uh, action for change, uh, faces agenda for change the Agenda for Change staffing covered uh, would not come out uh, of other health spending. So nurses can be reassured that this Government will continue to support them both in pay and in terms of numbers, and that is why our health service in England is getting better. If she wants to look at a health service where things are getting worse, she can look look to the Labour Government in Wales. (laughs) And she doesn't need to take it from me. She can take it from the public, because public satisfaction with the NHS in Wales is lower than it is in England. That's the effect of Labour government on health
3: I hate to break it to him, but there are more nurses in the NHS than just those who are working in emergency and acute wards, including district nurses. They have halved under the Tories. And guess who picks up the slack if nurses aren't there? It's nurses in emergency and acute Absolutely. care. But uh, the question I ask, Mr Speaker, is why so many nurses are leaving the vocation they love. Now, according to the RCN, the top four reasons are excess workload, staff shortages, low pay and worries about patient care. And according to the government's own figures, the number of nurses quitting because of worries about their finances or their health has doubled since the Tories first froze their pay. So let's get on to the question, with a question that was asked by, John Pres- asked by John Prescott 17 years ago. He said that nurses at his local hospital were warning, and I quote him again, staff shortages are putting patients' lives at risk. So can he tell me? what are those same nurses telling the First Secretary today? Yeah. What I can say is, is
2: that since 17 years ago, uh, and it's interesting uh, that 17 years ago there were still uh, significant numbers of years of Labour government ahead with all these pressures she's just exposed to us uh, under uh, the Labour government. Since 17 years ago there are significant uh, more nurses in uh, in uh, post, uh, and, and I, I didn't quite understand her point uh, about wards because she seemed to go on and off uh, the wards but we know that we've got 10,000 more nurses on our wards where people want to see them and also if if she's uh, interested in nurses pay of course I hope she will find it in herself to welcome the tax cuts that were announced in the budget, the increase in the personal allowances that will help nurses just as they will help workers across both the public and private sector this is good news for nurses was a budget that was not just good for the health service, but specifically good for the nursing profession. As I say, I hope she can bring herself to welcome that. Emily Thornbury
3: Well, Mr. Speaker, I noticed that he didn't want to talk about patient care at his local hospital. Could the reason be that his local A&E, according to the Board's most recent minutes, and I quote, have severe staff shortages in medical and nursing care, means patient safety is being put at risk, and the only option to tackle those shortages is to cancel outpatient clinics? And it gets worse. And it gets worse. At a public meeting tomorrow, to there is going to be a public meeting tomorrow to consider closing his local AE for good. Oh. In other words, in other words, all the things that the First Secretary has been denying. What are you doing to our NHS? Yeah. It is happening on your own doorstep. Isn't it about time that the First Secretary got a grip? I am I am entirely
0: innocent in this matter. First Secretary.
2: The right hon. Lady's grasp of the facts uh, is pretty shaky. The meeting tomorrow in in my constituency is about the Strategic Transformation Plan. Uh, uh, I am happy uh, to assure her that I am entirely in favour of option one of that Strategic Transformation Plan, which suggests not just uh, leaving uh, A&E services in the hospital in my constituency, but actually expanding specialist services there. Uh, uh, I would strongly suggest uh, she doesn't try to think she knows more about what's going on in my constituency than I do.
3: Emily I suspect that neither the nation nor his own constituents will have taken any reassurances from that yeah. answer. Really, Mr Speaker we have an NHS which is in the grip of a chronic funding and staffing crisis GPs are quitting in record numbers yes. junior doctors are running A&Es without supervision yes. our nurses are at breaking point yes. and all this is before the winter crisis that is coming yes. so Mr Speaker let me finally ask the first what secretary billion, what is it, what does it say about the government's priorities that last week's budget could only find 350 million pounds to help the cash strapped stretch to the limit nhs cope with a winter fuel cri- fi- winter winter fuel crisis <laughs> fifty million million to cope with the winter crisis right. and, was, and was able to find 11 times that amount to spend on a no-deal Brexit. Yeah. Isn't that the very definition of a Government fiddling away whilst the rest of the country burns? Yeah. The, the Right Honourable
2: Lady is determined to talk the NHS down. It a, is a Conservative Government which is increasing funding on the NHS, so it remains the best health service in the world as the independent Commonwealth Fund has uh, repeated for the second year in a row. It's this party which promised and delivered more money for the NHS in 2010, 2015 and in last week's budget where my right honourable friend the Chancellor promised 6.3 billion extra for the NHS. More patients treated, more operations carried out by more doctors and more nurses. And when she says at the end, uh, that the government is wasting three billion pounds on preparing for Brexit. we now know that we now know that the Labour Party doesn't think it's worth preparing for Brexit. They do though they do though, think it's worth preparing for a run on the pound. That's all you need to know about labor. Mr. Speaker
1: this week) One of Labour's last two remaining councillors in Boston crossed the floor to join the Conservatives. I didn't want to see this country go
2: back to 1973. Will the First Secretary join me in
1: welcoming this new member to the Conservative Party, and will he agree with me that an open, optimistic Britain deserves better than reheated Marxism and Labour's bankrupt economy? Yeah!
2: Yeah! I am, I am very happy to uh, agree with my uh, honourable friend, and indeed uh, with the wisdom of the uh, Labour councillor who has joined the Conservative Party quite right that what we see from the party opposite is that they would lose control of public finances, hike taxes to their highest ever peacetime level, and calls business the Shadow Chancellor, new quote I've discovered from the Shadow Chancellor, calls business the enemy. That's what uh, the modern Labour Party is about. I would finally point out to uh, the local councillor, uh, he may just have moved in anticipation, because I understand that moderate councillors are being deselected
0: by the hard left. Ian Black yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Can I join the First Secretary in congratulating Prince Harry and Meghan on their engagement and wish them a long life and happiness together? And if I may, can I also welcome the moderator of the Church of Scotland, the Reverend yeah, Eric Browning, yeah, 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 who is with us in the gallery today? Mr. Speaker, can the First Secretary of State tell the House how much money? The UK government has received from arms sales from Saudi Arabia since the war with Yemen began. Yeah. Secretary!
2: i I don't have the figure to hand, but I do uh, urge the uh, honourable gentleman uh, to recognise the fact, first of all, that uh, our defence industry is an, is an extremely important uh, creator of jobs and prosperity uh, in Scotland as well as in other parts of the country, and that we have, because I'm, I'm obviously aware of uh, the the very terrible situation in Yemen at the moment. But this country has one of the most rigorous and robust uh, defence sales regimes in the world. It was recognised in a court case uh, last July, and we are absolutely determined to continue the most rigorous and robust system in place because that's the right thing to do, both for our prosperity and to ensure we keep uh, proper control on arms.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, that's a long time to be able not to answer the question, but I'll yeah, tell the First yeah, Secretary. Yeah. The UK government has received £4.6 billion pounds in selling oh. arms to Saudi Arabia since the war in Yemen began. A war which has created a devastating humanitarian crisis. Children, Yemen is now on the brink of famine, and UNICEF has said that 150,000 children will die by the end of this year. Doesn't the First Secretary agree? that the best thing that the Prime Minister can do with our meetings today is follow the example of the Netherlands and suspend licences for arms sales to Saudi Arabia.
2: I, I, I should correct something uh, the uh, right honourable gentleman said. That the government received uh, money. It will be the companies that receive the money, and therefore their workers. So uh, he can he can take that position if he wants it. Was it's I know the Labour Party's uh, position as well, um, but that would certainly entail. Uh, significant job losses. Now, what is very, very important is not only that we have the robust regime, uh, which I talked about, but that absolutely uh, we continue the humanitarian efforts that we make to try and alleviate the terrible conditions in Yemen. We are the fourth largest humanitarian donor to Yemen and the second largest to the UN appeal. And I would also remind him that the involvement of the Saudis in this conflict came at a request of the legitimate government of Yemen and has United Nations Security Council backing. That's why we support it. This is a conflict supported by the UN Security Council, and I would hope that the right hon. Gentleman will have some respect for the Security Council.
0: Rebecca Powell
3: This government's ambition to build more homes is welcome, especially amongst those struggling to get on the housing ladder. And Taunton Dean is playing its part. And with its garden town status, we must have homes that are good places to live, energy efficient, sustainable drainage, green spaces. Mr. Speaker, maybe even where we have showers where people don't use microbeads. But we must have the right roads in these developments. And would my right honourable friend agree that the Housing Infrastructure Fund is key to unlocking funds for vital roads like the Spine Road through Taunton and Stapleburg?
2: My honourable friend is absolutely right, and I know uh, what a a Stout champion she is of uh, the people of Taunton Dean. Uh, and she's quite right about the uh, Housing Infrastructures Fund as well. We need more homes, but absolutely we need the infrastructure to back them up. Uh, that's why uh, the Chancellor doubled the Housing Infrastructure Fund in the budget. In
0: Thank you, Mr. Speaker. As the First Secretary of State will know, being my near neighbour in Kent, as a result of underfunding, the Conservative
3: County Council has run out of cash and is cutting the funding of buses in Kent by 70%. Wow. 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 Four hospital buses, 14 school buses, and over 100 other routes are to be cut. Thousands of pensioners, especially those in rural areas, are to be trapped at home. Does the right honourable member for Ashford really support such cuts?
0: I, I, I,
2: I do not recognise the characterisation of Kent County Council's position, uh, which my uh, constituency neighbour. Uh, has expressed. Uh, all local authorities, as all parts of the public sector, uh, have to live within their means because we have to continue uh, paying down the deficit that was run up by the previous Labour government. Kent County Council is an extremely good county council which does many great things both in transport and other fields for the people of Kent and will continue to do so.
0: Mr. Kenneth Clark!
3: Yeah.
2: Uh, Would my Right Honourable Friend agree that for decades now the the richer member states in the European Union have made large contributions to the budget of the EU because the macroeconomic benefits of belonging to the large free trade area of the single market make it a bargain to pay that share of the cost? Shall we not, therefore, welcome the rumours we have today in the press of a possible imminent settlement of the method of calculating future contributions so that it may now enable us to get on with the serious negotiations about how we retain the maximum future access to all those benefits of that free trade?
1: Well, Secretary.
2: My, my right hon. Friend has been around long enough to know not necessarily to read uh, to believe everything he reads uh, in the newspapers, and it would clearly be wrong uh, for me to go into figures now. But he is absolutely right that what we are about, and what my, my right hon. Friend, the uh, Secretary of State for exiting the European Union, is about is making sure we get the best possible deal at this stage of the process so that we can move on uh, to the trade talks. And Britain, as a country that meets its international obligations, of course uh, will, as it exits the European Union, meet the obligations and have all the rights uh, that we have in that process so that we can maintain a deep and special partnership uh, with the other 27 members of the European Union as we move forward in friendship and cooperation after we've left the European Union. Being believed, relieving, reliving trauma, fear of publicity, a culture of denial, some of the reasons why very many women are reluctant to report rape, assault and sexual harassment. Does he agree with me that Government and Parliament need to lead by example and will he, on behalf of Government, apologise to the victims who Parliament and Government have been letting down? I I absolutely agree agree that uh, both this place as an institution uh, and all of the political parties uh, need to improve uh, complaints procedures and uh, other aspects of the culture uh, of politics uh, to make sure that uh, young men or young women who are interested in politics do not in any way feel deterred from playing an active role in it. And There is a place for everyone uh, in this House on all sides and in all parties and indeed the House authorities themselves of making sure that this is the best possible working environment for young people to come into.
0: Nadine Dorries.
3: Mr. Speaker, many mothers in this chamber know how hard childbirth can be, but we would never use that knowledge in a veiled threat against a journalist when being questioned in the way the Honourable Member for Hampstead and Kilburn did when questioned by a Channel 4 journalist recently. As I assume the first secretary is not pregnant, would he please complete the work that journalist tried and ask the Honourable Member for Hampstead and Kilburn to use her influence with her aunt, who is the Prime Minister of Bangladesh, whose regime is responsible... For the yeah. kidnapping, well, question. question. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Good First, section, please. I, I'm sure the honourable lady, the member for Mid Bedfordshire. Yeah. Order! I'm sure the honourable member for Mid Bedfordshire notified the honourable lady of an intention to refer to her in this question. Uh, no, she no, she didn't. No, she didn't. No, she
1: didn't. You didn't. Oh, no, didn't.
0: Well, that was disorderly. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, that was disorderly. Yeah. Yeah. Order! 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 Nevertheless. The question has been asked. uh, Nevertheless, perfectly proper for the First Secretary briefly to reply.
2: Well, Mr. Speaker, you and the House will be aware I can only speak uh, on behalf uh, of the government, uh, and and I can assure my honourable friend that Bangladesh. Uh, remains an important human rights priority area for the Foreign Office, and that we continue to raise allegations of enforced disappearance is at all levels uh, of the government of Bangladesh. And I think I should stop there.
0: Steve McCabe,
1: yeah. Mr. Speaker, at the present rate of progress
2: it will take the three officials at the First Secretary's old department more than 70 years to investigate the claims of around 4,500 WASP women deprived of their state pension. Now, I know this government's slow, but isn't that adding insult to injury? Yeah. Uh, the, the Honourable Gentleman uh, will be aware that uh, the uh, Government committed a sum uh, of more than a billion pounds to make sure uh, that no one's pension uh, would be delayed more than 18 months from the uh, original period. And he also, I'm sure, as a reasonable man, recognises that with increasing longevity it is inevitable that the pension age will rise. That is what this Government is doing. And by next year, pension inequality will have been removed. We will hit uh, 65 for both sexes. Uh, in uh, next year, and that means that we will then have an equal
1: pension system. James Gray. The Royal Air Force is unique amongst the three services, having been established by an Act of Parliament, which achieved royal assent 100 years ago today. Yeah, yeah. And will my right hon. Friend find time in his busy diary to join me and members of both Houses and staff throughout the Palace in celebrating the magnificent service the RAF have given to this nation yeah, over that 100 yeah. years in a parade, a unique parade in the atrium of Portcullis House this evening at 7.30 by the Queen's Colours Column? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, I'm, I, as I've already mentioned, the, uh, the centenary today, and my honourable friend is extremely right. Uh, not just to bring it up again, we cannot pay uh, high enough tribute to the men and women uh, of the RAF for a century of service that will will go on for a long time into the future as well. Uh, and I'm glad he's managed to get uh, an advert in for the parade this evening at Portcullis
0: House. Greedy. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The United Kingdom has lost its seat on the International Court of Justice. EU agencies are. Are pulling out of London, and there'll be no more European Capitals of Culture yeah. in the United Kingdom. It's the sun Shocking. setting on Empire 2.0 before it's even begun. Yay. Secretary.
2: I think um, the honourable uh, gentleman uh, has has it's not it's not surprising really that uh, EU institutions are not going to be in a state that's not a member of the EU. That can't come as a surprise uh, to the honourable gentleman on the Capitals of Culture. Um, I I rather agree with him. I think it's extremely disappointing that after they'd let British cities uh, ask, including I know uh, some in Scotland, uh, asking to apply to be part of the process, uh, the Commission decided that they couldn't. We are in urgent talks with the Commission about that, and in particular uh, we're making sure that all those uh, cities who applied can continue with their cultural development, because cultural development has been shown to be an extremely good basis for the regeneration of cities and towns across the United Kingdom. Amanda
1: Milling Thank
0: you, Mr Speaker yeah. This Saturday I'll be announcing the winners of my annual local shop competition as part of Small Business
3: Saturday So will my right honourable friend I wish all Cannot Chase retailers the best of luck and also wish those winners congratulations.
0: Yay. I'm
2: very happy to uh, share my honourable friend's congratulations for her retailers. Uh, I, like, I suspect uh, many uh, members uh, will be uh, celebrating at Small Business Saturday this weekend. It's become an extremely important part of the calendar. Supporting small business is absolutely at the heart of this government's economic strategy and we should all take uh, every the opportunity to celebrate the hugely important work they do in innovation, in entrepreneurship and in serving the people. Sarah Jones.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Today we see shocking new figures that child knife deaths are nearing a 40-year high. Five months ago the Prime Minister in this place promised action but she has failed to deliver. Nothing in the budget on policing and nothing meaningful to tackle the causes as well as the crime. It's clear we need intervention now and not just from the Home Office. Funding youth workers in major trauma centres is proven to get young people out of the cycle of violence, and it would cost £6 million a year to fund. Will the First Secretary, in his role, establish a cross-government programme of action to come good on the Prime Minister's promise? I
2: am sure the Honourable Lady is aware that actually the stance on knife crime that this Government is taking is tougher than ever. We have made punishment against repeat offenders stronger. We have banned cautions for the most serious offences. There is now a very clear message. If you carry knives in public, you are more likely than ever uh, to go to prison. And the latest figures show that 42% of adult offenders were given an immediate custodial sentence, the highest rate in nearly a decade. So I hope that she can be reassured that actually this government is being tougher on knife crime than any previous government. Nadeem
1: Zahawi. Speaker, does the First Secretary
2: agree with me that we don't need to break into the computer? or the iPad of the Member for Hazen Harlington to work out that half a trillion that he wants to borrow will attract £7.5 billion pounds of interest payments every year?
0: Well, the one difficulty with that otherwise ingenious question is that it bears no relation to government policy, for which the right honourable gentleman
1: is responsible, but rather to that of the shadow chancellor for which he isn't.
0: Wayne David. <laughs> Mr Speaker. Sharon Jones is a constituent who had a malignant brain tumour removed some 20 years ago. This left her with excruciating headaches and severe pain in her neck and shoulders. Sharon has been in receipt of ESA, and the Department for Work and Pensions accepts that Sharon is not fit for work, and yet she has now been placed in the work-related activity group and her benefit has been reduced. Will the First Secretary justify this to Sharon?
2: First Secretary. Well, obviously, there there will clearly be uh, individual uh, issues in this case, which I can't be aware of. Uh, I'm I'm sure my right hon. Friend, the Secretary of State for Work and Pensions, will be very happy to uh, look at this individual case to see uh, if something needs to be done uh, for Sharon.
0: John Stevenson. Mr. Speaker, I very much
2: welcome the announcement of a borderlands growth deal. This is positive news for the border (laughs) area. But can the First Secretary assure me that this initiative will receive sufficient resource to ensure its success. Yeah. Yeah. The secretary. I, I share my uh, honourable friend's uh, enthusiasm for the Borderlands Growth Initiative. I have seen uh, the many benefits uh, of city deals and growth deals uh, around all parts of the United Kingdom since I became uh, first secretary. and I think the Borderlands Growth Initiative is particularly important because it will show the mutual prosperity between his part of the north of England and the southern part uh, of Scotland. Uh, And all I can say is that since uh, my right honourable friend, the Secretary of State for Scotland, uh, is actually a constituency MP uh, in the southern part of Scotland, I know that this deal will get uh, particularly uh, strict attention uh, inside the Cabinet.
0: Tommy Shepherd. Does the First Secretary agree with the Lord Speaker's
2: Committee that the House of Lords should be reduced to 600 and that the term should be limited to 15 years? and does he not feel the slightest sense of embarrassment that the crisis of credibility of the undemocratic upper chamber has become so acute that its members are themselves begging for reform whilst the elected government refuses to act?
0: Yes, I, th-
2: I think, I think um, when, the, when the honourable gentleman speaks on behalf of all members uh, of the House of Lords uh, in terms of begging for reform, uh, he may Not necessarily absolutely be representing the entire uh, range of views uh, in uh, another place, Um, but I'm happy to assure him that the government uh, is looking very carefully uh, at the proposal uh, of the Burns Committee and we will, of course, uh, respond in due course. Damien Collins. Um, could my honourable friend and neighbour say um, what action the government is proposing to take against Russian-backed agencies, uh, spreading fake news and disinformation? We know they have been doing it in our political campaigns, but also worrying reports as well that disinformation may be spread around important issues
0: like accessing vaccines and the flu jab.
2: The Secretary. My uh, honourable friend is quite right uh, to, to raise this. Cyber is an extremely important issue and fake news and the dissemination of of potentially dangerous information uh, is is one part of that. So uh, the National Cyber Security Centre is looking very hard at this. Uh, It takes uh, a number of measures to uh, combat it, some of which uh, obviously uh, have to remain private, but I can absolutely assure him uh, it is very high on the agenda of the National Cyber Security Centre, which is just over a year old and which is uh, doing uh, very good work in ensuring that the whole area of cyber security is much better than it used to be. Thank you, Mr Speaker. An an 11-year-old primary school pupil approached me to tell me that he, his mother and his two brothers live in a single room in a bedsit in Ilford, and could I find him a council flat like the one that I grew up in? What's heartbreaking about that is that I know, and the First Secretary will know, that it's very unlikely that he will ever have one. So can I ask him very simply? Given that the measures announced in last week's so-called housing budget will not solve the scale of the problem that sees more than 100,000 children living in temporary accommodation, what is he going to do to make sure that that boy, his family and every other child living in a bedsit or temporary bed and breakfast accommodation gets the decent home that they need that they can call their own? So I agree. absolutely agree uh, that this is a serious problem, and that that's one of the reasons why housing was at the centre of my right honourable friend, the Chancellor's budget. Uh, I, hear, I hear from the uh, opposition front bench. Uh, that uh, the Right Honourable Lady has recovered her voice now uh, and is asking what we're doing about it. I'll tell her what we're doing about it. Last year, we delivered more homes than we've seen in all but one of the last 30 years 217,000, taking us to 1.1 million since 2010. Over the next five years, we will invest £44 billion pounds in home building boosting the funding for council social and low cost housing to over 9 billion pounds we are building more social housing than the labor government did uh, in its yeah. 13 years in office we will build even more in the future this is a government that's addressing his constituents problems previous labor governments signally failed to do so
0: yeah. alex joek yeah. thank you mr speaker yeah. <laughs> At the recent extremely successful Cheltenham Literature Festival, Hillary Clinton came and talked about the importance of ensuring that the Russians are not allowed to meddle in British uh, uh, elections or indeed in American elections. Does my right honourable friend agree with me that we should be building an offensive cyber capability so that our opponents know we have the will but also the wherewithal
2: to strike back? Yeah. Yeah. My uh, honourable friend is exactly right, as you would expect uh, from uh, the Member of Parliament uh, who represents GCHQ. uh, And he is absolutely right about uh, the uh, offensive uh, capacity uh, that we we may well need uh, in the cyber area, uh, and I am happy to assure him and the House uh, that we are indeed developing that.
1: Mary Black.
0: I would like to ask the Minister if, without mentioning the new state pension, apprenticeships or stating the falsehood that the Scottish Government can somehow fix the problem, and given that the Prime Minister is a waspy woman herself, how he can justify a rise of 413% in the number of women over the age of 60 in receipt of ESA because of this Government's refusal to give them their (laughs) pensions? Mr.
2: Well, as as I, I replied to uh, a previous question uh, on this subject, I hope she would recognise the principle that is right, that we need, as we live longer, to move up the pension age. Uh, and, and, and she knows as well as I do that actually the Scottish Government does have the capacity to top up welfare payments. They like to sit here and deny this but in Holyrood they know they could do this. So as ever with the SNP they should stop simply moaning in this chamber. They should go back to their own government in Scotland and say if they want to do something they should do it. They should get on with the day job of running Scotland.
1: Yay! Yeah, yeah. Much welcome the Government's modern industrial strategy that was launched this week. Does my right hon. Friend agree with me that it's really going to be important as this country moves forward, we seek a global Britain in creating more and better quality jobs? Yeah. And my
2: hon. So friend Green. is exactly right. The, the point about the industrial strategy, which is a hugely important moment, is to create not just a stronger economy, but a fairer economy for decades to come. That's why uh, it's looking forward to 2030. It's a long term attempt to make sure that we have not just a global outward-looking economy, which I completely agree on, but a modern economy where we can capitalise on our huge research strengths and our huge intellectual strengths to make sure that, unlike as so often in the past, we actually benefit commercially from that for decades to come. That's the route to rising productivity and rising prosperity.
3: CORDOVA Thank you, Mr Speaker. This Sunday, the 3rd of December, is the UN International Day of Persons with a Disability. So far, this government has refused to carry out a cumulative impact assessment of its social security policies
0: on people living with a disability. Will the First Secretary? Now, mark
3: this day by doing the right thing for disabled people yes. and carry out a full yes. cumulative impact really assessment.
0: Yeah. The secretary. Um, well, I,
2: I'm sure the Honourable Lady, who, who has great expertise in this field, will know that this government uh, is is spending £90 billion uh, on disability benefits, but more to the point, we are being more successful than ever before in giving disabled people a degree of independence. Hundreds of thousands more disabled people are in work than have ever been before. We have a plan to have an extra million uh, in work over the next ten years. That is an extremely important and practical way to improve the lives of hundreds of thousands of disabled people. That is what this Government is doing, and that is what we will continue to do.
0: Richard Bacon, Mr Speaker. Given that President Rouhani of Iran has said Iran will not be the first country to breach the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, can the First Secretary assure us that British diplomats are working hard in Washington, D.C. to persuade our American friends that it is in the interests of the West and of Iran to uphold the JCPOA as an essential prelude to solving other <coughs> regional problems?
2: The Secretary. Um, uh, my my honourable friend uh, is right. We think that the, uh, the JCPOA is, is a very important uh, part of attempting to improve conditions not just uh, between Iran and its neighbours but across the uh, wider Middle East uh, and we will continue to argue that case
1: uh, in all parts of the world. Mr Nigel Dodds Mr. Speaker, and I too join in offering congratulations to Prince Harry and Meghan Markle on their engagement and one of the issues that Prince Harry has rightly highlighted and campaigned on is the issue of mental health and the Invest for Life campaign in Northern Ireland is doing a fantastic job in highlighting the need for extra resources on that issue, and we join in that campaign and have secured extra resources. But at a time when issues like that – mental health, education and all the rest of it – need to be prioritised in Northern Ireland by a locally devolved government working on these issues and representing the people of Northern Ireland, does the First Secretary of State agree? it is a gross dereliction of responsibility for Sinn Féin to announce this week that they are not going to engage in further discussions on the restoration of devolution. If that is the case, then we now need to move quickly to restore accountability and ministers to the Northern Ireland office to get on with the people's business of responsible government in Northern Ireland. Uh, The
2: the Right Honourable Gentleman uh, will know that uh, my Right Honourable Friend, the Northern Ireland Secretary, uh, is working uh, as hard as possible to uh, restore uh, democratic control, to restore the Northern Ireland Executive. Uh, We all want to see proper, uh, devolved government uh, restored in Northern Ireland. Uh, I think that would be uh, by far the best thing for the people of Northern Ireland, uh, and this government will continue to work tirelessly to that end. Order.